Good morning. Welcome to Mission Vineyard. I'd like to invite you to come in and find a place to sit. I think you won't have any trouble finding a place today. More people will come in in a minute. My name is Herschel Rosser. I'm one of the pastors here, and I would like to invite you to worship with us. Let's just welcome the Lord. So, Heavenly Father, we thank you for making yourself real to us through your Son, Jesus Christ, by the Holy Spirit. We open our hearts now to worship you. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's worship together. If you'd like to stand up, feel free to do that. This first song um, just helps us sing over what our Redeemer has done for us and all the, the debts that he's paid and how because of that um, we are free. Um, sometimes I like to just explain what our song set is like so you're not just sitting there getting spoon-fed. Um, we're singing about Jesus this morning, obviously, but we're going over um, what he's done for us and then um, dedicating ourselves back to him and um, building our lives on him. So, Man of Sorrows. Heaven, God's own son. 
See the stone is rolled away.
great to be in the house of the Lord today. Amen. My name is Jared. I'm honored to lead communion today. Holy communion is not just a ritual to be observed, but a blessing to be received. In fact, it has two parts and likewise two blessings for you. And this is because of what Jesus did. Number one, healing of your body. 
and wholeness and being forgiven with Jesus through the new covenant. Isaiah 53, 5 says, but he was pierced for our rebellion, crushed for our sins. He was beaten so we could be made whole. He was whipped so we could be healed. At the cross, God took all of our sicknesses and diseases and put them on Jesus' originally perfect and healthy body so that we can walk in divine health. 1 Peter 2.24 says, He personally carried our sins in his body on the cross so that we can be dead to sin and live what is right. By his wounds, you are healed. In Jesus' name, I say, I believe and receive the bodily healing of Jesus. Can y'all say that with me? I believe and receive the bodily healing of Jesus. And now let us eat the bread. In Luke, Jesus said, this cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is poured out for you. And when we drink from the cup, we're declaring that we are forgiven and have been made righteous. Jesus' blood he shed on the cross gives us right standing before God, and we can go boldly into God's presence, unafraid of any past sin because of this. In Jesus' name, say it with me, I believe and receive the forgiveness of sins through the washing of the blood. And now, please drink the cup. Thank you. Good morning, Mission Vineyard. There we go. Thanks. It's great to see everyone here this morning. Um, if you are a new visitor to Mission Vineyard, I just wanted to give you a very special welcome and thank you for worshiping with us today. We are so glad you are here. Um, we have these great bags that are especially for our visitors, and so please make sure you get one on the way out. I think we might be running a tad bit low, but we should have some for everyone. If not, come back next Sunday. <laughs> um, but inside the bag are just some goodies about our church, and also there is a Ziploc bag of something called a mana bag. So I'm going to pull that out. 
It has just practical items for you to be able to give to someone who might be in need throughout the week that you encounter. So please feel free to do that as a gift um, from us to you and from you to a, an individual in need. And also in this bag is a Connect card, and we would love to get to know you a little bit more. So you can fill that out and leave it on the back table as you're leaving. And just a little bit of information, um, if you do have an email address that you'd like to give us, we'd be happy to add you to just our weekly email distribution so you know what's going on in the life of the church throughout the week. There's also a spot, um, I think, for a prayer request as well. And so you can write that in. Um, you can also fill this out online if that's easier for you at connect.missionvineyard.org. So we would love to get to know you a little bit more and just bless you um, throughout the week. And then I also wanted to let you know that next Wednesday starts our Alpha series. Everyone is invited. <laughs> we have a new location, so please be apprised of that. It's at TriPoint, which is um, really close to here at the YMCA. It, we are meeting every single Wednesday at 6.30. Dinner and childcare is provided. If you can, RSVP to alpha at missionvineyard.org or let our leader or another leader know that you're coming. That would be helpful, but it is not required for you to RSVP. We hope that you'd invite a friend. This is a safe place for someone to come and just enjoy fellowship, ask questions about faith and what we believe, um, watch a few videos, have some discussion, and just enjoy time together. So please join us for that and bring a friend. Um, it's every Wednesday for, I think, six or nine weeks or something like that. So for an extended period of time, we would love to see you there. Uh, a lot of our weekly small groups are taking a pause during Alpha to attend this, but there are some monthly groups that are still meeting, so you can visit smallgroup.missionvineyard.org. Um, after services today, we have the youth who are meeting, so yay, Bruce and Katie. Um, check, out, check in with them if you're planning to attend the youth activities this afternoon. And then Worship Circle is with Destiny and... Um, at, at your house, yes, today, from 3 to 5. That's a, a great way to just worship the Lord together. No, no special worship talents necessary, <laughs> just a heart for worship. So I'm going to pray over our service and our giving and turn it over to Herschel. So Jesus, I thank you for this day that you've given us. Thank you for every single person in this room. I pray that you would touch our hearts today, Lord. Would you bless us with your presence, with your knowledge, your wisdom of who you are, Lord? Thank you for um, the way that you have blessed us, Lord, and we just ask that all gifts being given, whether online or in person, would be used for your kingdom's glory, Lord. Thank you for being us with us today, and I just pray over Herschel um, that his words would glorify you and bring us your peace and your joy. In Jesus' name, amen. Jeff, is this where I should stand? Okay. I'd rather stand in the middle, but that won't work, will it? It will? Okay. All right. Good to see all of you. Good to see several who have been away for a while and are back. And uh, good to see some folks that I've never met before today. And uh, our lead pastor, John Arelli, is speaking right now at a church in Duluth, Minnesota, where it's nice and balmy and warm. So if you, think, if you think you were cold here this week, wait till John gets back next week and tells you about his experience today. He had uh, 
the privilege of taking his son Elias with him, and I understand Elias has been getting acquainted with snow. So uh, we're, we're happy for them to be able to go. Well, today starts a new series called Real Love, and uh, we're going to find out what real love is, aren't we? And we know that real love, real love, the genuine article, comes from God, starts with God, and proceeds through us. Um, so I want to invite you to come. It's a four-week series, and every week it'll be real love. It'll be talking about uh, how God loves us and how that affects our choices and how if we want to experience the real love of God and pass it on, how we need to um, bring these areas under his authority. And the first one, and that's today, is money. And then next week is sex. And the third week is commitment. And the third week is power. Well, you may be thinking, well, I don't have any money. <laughs> I don't have much power. How is this going to work? Well, I just want you to know that in, in all of these themes, the focus is going to be really on our relationship with the Lord. You see, God's real love for us has led him to do this. So we have, we understand that God, there's only one God, right? There's only one God. But God exists eternally in three persons. This is a mystery that I've given my whole life thinking about and praying about, and I still don't quite get it. But I believe it, and I know it, and this is revealed in the Bible. So there's one God in three persons, God the Father, God the Son, Jesus Christ, and God the Holy Spirit. And when we think about real love, we understand that the Father loves us so much that he gave his only begotten Son for us, and that Jesus Christ became one of us, so the Son of God gets in the act. He isn't. It's not like the Father is saying, get down there and suffer. It's like... Jesus, who is also God, says, I will suffer, I will go to the earth, I will become a human being, and I will reveal the Father's love for the whole human race. I will teach about the Father, and then I will go to the cross, and on the cross, I will take the sins of the whole world upon myself and will offer righteousness, cleansing, and eternal life to the whole human race. And then, you know what? He didn't stay dead. <laughs> On the third day after his crucifixion, he rose from the dead. Having defeated the enemy, having defeated sin, having defeated death, having defeated demonic powers, on the third day he rose and he eventually ascended to the Father. And then the Father and the Son sent the Holy Spirit and so the Holy Spirit gets in on the act. The Holy Spirit is the one who makes the real love of God real to us. He makes Jesus real to us. He reveals Jesus to us. The Holy Spirit is the one who brings the presence of God into our lives. So um, we understand that God wants to wrap us in his love, in his real love. This is his whole objective for our lives. No matter what your experience has been, I want to tell you today that God wants to wrap you in his love. If you didn't come here today feeling and sensing the love of God, when you leave today, it is God's intention that you leave knowing that you are surrounded by his love and that you are loved by him. And then this begins a, 
fantastic revolution in your life which allows you to pass on the real love of God to other people. So we're just going to call this, we're, we're just going to say today as we deal with the subject of money, how we want to be free from the love of money in order to experience the real love of God and pass it on. Now I know that a few people here today, a few people here today have enough money. Even if you don't think you do. A few people here today have enough money. Um, a few people today maybe have more money than you really need. But there are a lot of people here today who probably live with the sense that I don't have enough money. Uh, you, you don't feel well provided for. And you feel that you're, you know, you just feel that you, you need more money. And I want to say, most people in the world, no matter how much money they have, want more money. Well, money in and of itself is not an evil thing. Money is a medium of exchange. Uh, you know, if you, if you have a job and you get paid, it's because you've exchanged your labor for money. So money in and of itself is not an evil thing. Yet, in 1 Timothy 6.10, Timothy writes to us and says, the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. Now, sometimes we've heard that misquoted, and we've heard it said, money is the root of all evil. That's not what the Bible teaches. It teaches that money is the root of all kinds of evil. So, this is because this is because the love of money, the love of money is a distraction. The love of money is a distraction from the real love of God. The love of money becomes a search for something to replace our need for God. The, the scriptures teach us that God loves us, cares for us, provides for us, but many people probably the majority of people, probably the great majority of people, they get tired of doing it God's way and they begin to worship money. They begin to pursue money. And the, the scriptures are very clear to us that this is a dangerous thing. To fall in love with money is a dangerous thing. Because, because the love of money is so destructive, the Lord warns us frequently in his word about how dangerous it is. Here are just a couple of places where he says that. In the book of Hebrews, chapter 13, verse 5, which this will not be up there on the screen, the writer says, don't love money. Starts the verse that way. Don't love money. Be satisfied with what you have. For God has said, I will never fail you, I will never abandon you. So we can say with confidence, the Lord is my helper, so I will have no fear. What more can people do to me? And then in 2 Timothy chapter 3, Paul writes to Timothy and he says, you should know this, Timothy. And this is very interesting to me because he's going to talk about our day, the day we live in. That in the last days there will be very difficult times. Listen to this. You wonder if the Bible predicts the future? Think this was written about 2,000 years ago? Listen to what it says would be, it would be like in the day we live, the last days. 
For people will love only themselves and their money. Is that pretty much a good description of our culture? People will love only themselves and their money. And then he has a lot of other things to say about it. I won't read them all, but a little bit. They will be boastful and proud. Does that sound like our day? Scoffing at God. Disobedient to their parents. How's that sound for today's culture? They will consider nothing sacred. Well, in the Sermon on the Mount, a very famous sermon Jesus preached. You'll find it in uh, Matthew, Mark, and Luke's Gospels. And in Matthew's Gospel, Jesus starts talking about money at one point in his sermon. And this is what he says. This is in Matthew 6, 24. No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. And you just substitute the word love in there for serve if you want to. You cannot, you cannot love both God and money. You cannot serve both God and money. It's impossible to do both. You can have money and love God. You can earn money and love God. You can spend money and love God. But you can't love money and love God. The two cancel one another out. You cannot serve God and serve money. That's what Jesus is teaching us. This is the reason. Loving money, serving money, means that you make it into an idol. You, you make it into what you worship. You give control over to the love of money. You give control of your life over to the pursuit of wealth instead of giving control of your life over to loving God and receiving the love of God. You see, what God wants to do for us in his real love, now let's just think about this together for a moment. The real love of God is expressed to us. Hang, hang with me for a minute as I try to clarify what I'm about to say. The real love of God is expressed to us because God wants to make us real. You say, well, I'm real. Look, touch me, see me, I'm real. Well, folks without God, folks who have not received the love of God, who haven't consciously come into a relationship with God, they're struggling to determine their reality. They're, they're struggling to determine... Uh, what their life is going to express. They're struggling to express who they are and what's important to them and what legacy they're going to leave when they die. You know, what mark am I going to make in the world? I'm struggling to be real. And a great percentage of the human race ends up here. If I can just get money, I can be real. If I can just get money, I can express my importance. If I can just get money, you know, I can have the kind of car I want. And that will impress others to have a certain image of me. Or the kind of house I want. Or, or the kind of lifestyle I want to live. And then I won't need God. That's basically what's happening there. Whereas what God offers us, he offers us can I, dare I say, he offers us real reality. He offers us a relationship 
with our Creator, a relationship with our Savior, the one who died on the cross for us, a relationship with the Holy Spirit so that who we are is determined by this love relationship. So that if you get to know me, there's a solidity, there's, there's a depth, because the most important thing in my life is God. I'm, I'm, I've, been, I've been grabbed by God. I've been, I've been rescued by God. God is holding on to me. So if you get to know me, if you touch me, so to speak, you're going you're gonna to get zapped a little bit by real reality. When I say me, I'm talking about any Christian who's walking with the Lord, anyone who's living in the love of God. And some of you here who are not, you, you know people who are. Some of you here who are not experiencing the love of God, you remember a mom or a dad or a grandma or a grandpa or some friend, somebody you knew who was rooted in their love for God and God's love for them, and they were a solid person. They're, they're, the expression of who they were wasn't dependent on them having money or having other things that we're going to look at in future weeks. And they're always the same. Every time you meet them, they're full of love. Every time you meet them, they may not always be happy because bad things happen, but every time you meet them, there's a peace that comes from them. Every time you meet them, there's joy, even if they're not happy. <laughs> there's a deep joy that's there underneath. You know you can count on them. You know they're real. Why? Because they have come to know Jesus Christ. They have come to know God. And so uh, their God is not money. Their God is God. And this is what God is offering all of us. And this is why Jesus is so black and white about our relationship to money. He doesn't, he doesn't leave even a millimeter for you to love money. He doesn't leave. It's like love God or love money. Take your choice. There is no in-between. There's no loving God and loving money. I'm not going to keep repeating the point I made, but I will, I will repeat it this time. This doesn't mean that money itself is evil. Money has great uses. <laughs> we all have to have money to exist in this culture. But we don't have to love money. We don't have to be, we don't have to be worshiping money. We don't have to be idolizing money. We can be freed up to be so stable in our lives so rooted in love, in real love, that the expression of our life is this kind of a peaceful rootedness. We, we have principles. We know what God ha intends for us. There's a guy named Andy Crouch, who's a contemporary Christian writer and leader, who recently shared in a, in a statement about God and mammon. And mammon is what Jesus actually says in this verse where he says, you cannot serve both God and money. So our modern translations, they change the word Jesus used to the word money. The word he used was mammon. Mammon is an expression 
uh, in the language that Jesus spoke that is not a very positive thing. <laughs> Let me tell you what mammon is. Mammon is the power that people give to money. So it's more than just, you know, I don't know if you have your wallet on you, but you could pull it out and pull out a dollar or something like that. Well, the dollar is not mammon. Mammon is the power that people ascribe to money because they love money and they serve money. And Jesus is saying you cannot serve both God and mammon. Really, I don't have time to develop this fully, but what Jesus is basically doing here, he's basically saying when the world sets up money and the pursuit of money as a god, it becomes a demonic force. It becomes an evil force in the world, a destructive force in the world. And as it, as it develops, and you know this, you experience this, some of you here, sometimes you feel like you're just on the margin of things. And you, you know, uh, our, our society is set up so that some people get richer and richer and richer and some people get poorer and poorer and poorer, no matter how hard you try. And you feel like you're swimming against a current that you can't overcome. You can't even, you can't even have enough resources to really care for yourself as you should care for yourself. And what you're running up against, you're running up against mammon. You're, rubbing, you're running up against this demonic force that our culture has given to the pursuit of wealth. And I, don't, I, you know, I know that that sounds like a strange thing to say, but Jesus was fully aware of it. The culture Jesus lived in was the very same. There were the very normal people were all poor. And then there were a few very, very, very rich people who made sure the other people stayed poor. And that's kind of where our culture seems to be headed. And I just think we could say, this is this demonic force that Jesus called mammon that's at work against us. So I just want to say to you as Christians, we need to find a way to defeat this demonic power. And the church of Jesus Christ is the, is the key instrument in God's hands to turn that over and to reverse things. To do that, we have to start with ourselves. We have to be sure that we are not worshiping money. We have to be sure that we are not contributing to the problem, that we're not giving strength and power to this demonic force called mammon. We need to take back the power of God through the love of God for us. And here's how we dethrone it. We dethrone Money and mammon by generosity. By generosity. That's how we do it. So most ways we use money give us control and safety, but giving generously releases our control. So we're free. So um, when we pass on the real love of God by blessing others generously, by loving people and not loving money, by using the money God gives us to be a blessing, then we are casting out the demon mammon. So you can actually participate in the kingdom of God coming to its place in the world by 
stopping your love of money and by becoming generous, becoming generous and say, you may say, well, I don't have enough money <laughs> to do it. I don't, I don't have anything to give. Well, you know, uh, one day Jesus was at the temple and he saw the rich people, these uber rich people who, for whom, you know, they just, they just lived above everybody else. And he saw them coming to the temple with their bags of money, showing it off, giving so that they would get some kind of, uh, you know, this was part of their, part of their, uh, the way that they wanted to be seen in culture. They wanted to be seen giving. And he saw a, a woman, and it turns out she was a widow, and she gave like what would be the equivalent of a penny. And you know what Jesus said about that? He said, this woman out of her poverty has given this penny. Therefore, she has given more than all of these wealthy people. So we're not talking about, you don't have to be wealthy to be generous. Can you say amen? When you are generous, when you bless others, you're letting the real love of God flow through you. And that is driving back the darkness. That is driving back this demonic force that Jesus calls mammon. This is driving back this love of money that's controlling and destroying our culture. Generosity. Now, I mean, there's much bigger areas and applications of this as if the church of the Lord Jesus Christ would get involved in, in big ways in our culture. But we can't do that today, can we? But we have power because God loves us. We have power because real love is real power. And when we let the love of Jesus flow through us in any way, not just by giving money, but in any way, by praying for others in other ways that we give, then there's this flow of God that begins to upset things and change things, and people are blessed, and people come to know the Lord, and the greater number of people who come to know Jesus, the greater impact that has on culture. You know, this is absolutely proven in certain cultures in our world today over the last 50 years, where 50 years ago, there were almost no Bible-believing, spirit-filled Christians. And missionaries went and began to preach the gospel in countries of terrible, terrible poverty and abuse. And people started believing, and families started coming to faith in Jesus. And there's actually, you can actually read whole books on this, where a whole segment of culture of poor people begins to be productive. Families get healed. Families come back together. Children get disciplined in the right way. And fathers quit drinking and quit using drugs and begin to work at good jobs. And whole sections of cultures have changed uh, because of this. It's, it's, called, it's called the gospel lift in uh, church literature. The gospel lift as the gospel of Jesus Christ impacts cultures. Well, we can be a part of that by refusing to love money, but instead being generous. So let me just share with you 
three ways that we, like, I'm going to call this dethrone mammon. Three ways that we do this. Number one is to open yourself to the real love of God and believe that He will meet your needs. So we have this wonderful passage in Isaiah 55. Is anyone thirsty? Come and drink, even if you have no money. Come, take your choice of wine or milk. It's all free. Why spend your money on food that does not give you strength? Why pay for food that does you no good? Listen to me, and you will eat what is good. You will enjoy the finest food. You see, God is generous. This is the law of the universe. And what he's saying is, if you'll lay down your other pursuits and you'll come to me to receive my love and to love me in return, an amazing thing is going to happen. You, <laughs> you're going to experience something that can't be bought with money. And so we just, we just enjoy what God is doing in us and thus we dethrone mammon. So Lucy and I have some friends who have gone to India we just met with them week before last. They were home for a little while. They have four little sons. And our friend had a great job in IT and computer, computer uh, work. He was earning lots of money. He didn't love money, but he was earning lots of money. And the Lord began to deal with them to go to India. And so uh, eventually they did. And they settled in an area where there's immense poverty, and they started a business. Not for them to earn a lot of money, but they started a business to give the poor people there an opportunity to have a job. And they produce leather goods and things like that. And because of my friend's associations in the U.S., they're able to make them there, and they're able actually to sell them in the United States. And people are being lifted out of poverty through that. They're coming into meaningful uh, lifestyles where, they, where they're not just struggling to find something to eat from day to day to day, but they actually have enough to themselves uh, reach out and bless others. And, of course, our friends are sharing with them that this is coming from Jesus. And they're inviting people into relationships with Jesus Christ. So our friends experience God's real love and they're passing it on without regard for their own need of money. And they have enough. They're happy. Our friends are happy. Number two, be grateful for God's provision and be content. So I told you I would come back to 1 Timothy 6. Putting it in context, what I said earlier. True godliness with contentment is itself great wealth. After all, we brought nothing with us when we came into the world, and we can't take anything with us when we leave it. So if we have enough food and clothing, let us be content. But people who long to be rich fall into temptation and are trapped by many foolish and harmful desires that plunge them into ruin and destruction. And here's the verse we started with. For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. And some people craving money have wandered from the true faith and pierced themselves with many sorrows. Now we understand that God blesses Christian business people 
and gives them the ability to earn money so that they can be a conduit and channel of blessing to others. So it's not, the, it's not earning money that's wrong, it's craving money. It's worshiping money. Number three, pass on real love and store up treasures in heaven by being generous. And back to what Jesus said uh, in Matthew chapter 6, where he said you cannot serve two masters. Here's the context of what he said. Do not store up for yourself treasures on earth where moths and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourself treasures in heaven where moths and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. And then there's this wonderful verse in 2 Corinthians 9.11. The Lord will make sure you have enough to be generous. Yes, you will be enriched in every way so that you can always be generous. So uh, it is God's intention to free everyone in this room from thinking, if I just had enough money, I would be happy. If I just had enough money... I would be successful. If I just had enough money, people would respect me. If I just had enough money, I could do this, I could do that. To free you up from that and to, and to come to this conclusion, if I could just experience the love of God, if I could just experience the love of God, I would, through the mercies and grace of God, receive everything I need. I could receive guidance for how to have enough money. But I would be living in the mercy and grace of God and, and having the grace of God flow in my life. And I would have a stable place to stand in which I could make good decisions and in which uh, my life coming under the authority and love of Jesus Christ could be productive and meaningful. And so this is what God is offering us today. And there's this wonderful verse in Matthew chapter 11, verse 28, where the Lord says, Come to me, everyone who is weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. So if you're a person who's come here today burdened down, worried, concerned, wondering how you're ever going to get out of the mess you're in, maybe perhaps feeling like, you know, I'm, I'm in poverty, whatever it is. The Lord is saying, come to me, bring me these burdens. Bring me the burdens of your own sins as well as the burdens of life that you carry. And he promises that he will give you rest. Jesus Christ promises that if you come to him, he will accept you. He welcomes you. He invites you. He's calling for you to come to him and you will find rest for your soul, and you will find a life that's based in God's real love. And this is what he's offering all of us today. Would you stand with me? Lord, we are so grateful for your real love, for your call away from the way people usually do things, to the way your kingdom works. We just ask, Lord, that you, that you, O oh Lord, 
would become the Savior and Lord of every person in this room, that every person in this room, Lord, would experience your love today and would find reality in you. We thank you for this. In Jesus' name. I just wonder, is there anybody here today that you would like to experience the real love of God? Maybe, maybe all the stuff about money didn't speak to you very much, but you want to experience the real love of God. Would you let me know right now? Would you just signal it to me? Raise your hand. Let me know. Yep, yep, yep. Anybody else? Yep. Anybody else? Okay, in just a minute, I'm going to invite you, you people for prayer. And uh, we're going to have our prayer teams that are going to go over here. Before I, before I respond to those who raise their hands, we're going to have some words that the prayer team received this morning on the screen. So I, we have a prayer team that meets before church, and they ask the Lord, uh, what would you like to do for people today? And uh, so these are the words they got. Someone here who feels like an empty jar. You feel like an empty jar. And the Lord is inviting you to get full. Someone who has lower back pain, the Lord would like to heal you. Someone who lost their joy, the Lord would like to restore your joy. And somebody who wants to hear God's voice clearly. The Lord is inviting you to learn how to do that. So we have two prayer teams over here. In just a moment, if, if any of those words spoke to any of you, I want you to go to the prayer teams. But first, I would like to invite the people who raised their hands to come forward for just a moment. Just come up for a moment. We're just going to pray for you right up here. I'd like for Lucy and a couple of other people to come and join us for prayer. Anybody else want prayer? right on up here. These are people who are saying, I want to experience the real love of God. Come on, Michael, that's good. Thank you. And then, while we're praying for these people, if any of those words speak, spoke to you, or you, have, or you need prayer for anything else, you go over to one of our prayer teams. And let's worship the Lord as we pray for these folks.
Jesus here, and I just pray that you have a great week, Lord, in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. I bless my friends who are here today. Fill them with your joy, Lord. Fill them with real, your real love for this whole week. In Jesus' name.